Is that an experience? Well, my experience at the moment is I haven't bloody had it. What an amazing comeback! You just cannot write scripts like this. Welcome everybody to the final countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I'm Lewis here again with my co-host Adam. Hello there. Uh, and it is your turn uh, this week, Adam, so take it away. It's the 1995 FA Cup final between the mighty, undefeatable Man champions, Man United and Everton. <laughs> my team, I should say, for a disclaimer. Uh, Everton were known as the Dogs of War. By who? <laughs> it was Is a thing. Okay, right. It was a thing, yeah. It was a, it was a media thing. Um, I'll, I'll get into it. So it's it. not just a you thing. You didn't just decide, no, no, oh, no, we, no, need, no, we no. need a rock hard nickname. Well, I'm not really... <laughs> I'm not really up for it because it just made us a bit gritty and and boring. Yeah, sure. Um, but and and you were without your beloved Lineker at this point, mate. Lineker retired by this point. Had he retired? Yes, Gone to Japan. Five. I oh, think yeah. he done. He was on match the day as a pundit by this point. Surely not. Learning That's... from the great Des Lynam, oh, who doesn't Des. get mentioned enough on this podcast. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we need a little segment for Des. We do. We've spoken about Motti a lot. We have. Des Lynam was the king of broadcast television. Anyway, we digress already. Louis, what do you remember at the ripe old age of six mm-hmm. of this final? Uh, so I know Everton win. I say I know, and then very quizzically said Everton win. Uh, I'm pretty certain this is Everton's only bit of silverware since I've been alive. Didn't he say that for sure? Um, so Everton win. I know nothing about the game. Absolutely nothing. I don't know the scoreline. I don't know right. who scores. I don't know if it's a good game or a bad game. But I do know that in the semi-final... Daniel Amokachi, yeah. he mistakenly mistakenly comes on. So yeah. my, my knowledge is he scores two goals in the semi-final, yeah. but he came on as an accident. So somebody went down injured. That's right. And then he came on thinking... Yeah, we will cover that. Yeah, yeah Paul okay. Ryder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that, that's literally the sum of all my knowledge to do with this. <laughs> Daniel Amokachi, he was a, a fan favourite for all of that couple of week period yeah sure i don't remember anything else no did. i don't think he, yeah no. you just need one infamous moment though don't you to go down <laughs> in folklore um so yeah we will get to dan amakachi and all the rest um but we will set this uh game up it's the 50th fa cup final to be played at wembley oh historic history so you like a bit of that historic history uh contested as we said between everton and man united man united were the double winners the previous season as we covered last week on the podcast um, but they had literally just lost five days before their league crown um, on the previous oh, Sunday to Blackburn. Of course, yeah, I forgot that was this year. Uh, yeah, an infamous day uh, where Blackburn lost but won the title won. Uh, at Anfield with mm-hmm. Kenny Dalglish at Anfield when he won yeah. the title. And obviously United couldn't beat West Ham despite having like 94 shots on goal. Uh, so yeah, a, a bit of a turn up really that Blackburn um, managed to win the league. So United were hurt uh, and they were coming to uh, this final. So a couple of context things. They had to play the final without three of their most important players, um, which, I mean, in fairness, it still stro- shows the strength of United's squad as yeah, we'll get sure. into because the team was still like, what a team. But they were missing Cantona. This was... Suspended? Yeah. Yeah. The Palace Kung Fu kick. That's right. Uh, back in January. So he was still suspended. Konchalskis was injured. Right. Uh, and Andy Cole was cup-tied. Uh, oh right, he transferred yeah, across from Newcastle. So three of their players that they had um, gone through the season with couldn't play in the cup final. Between them, for context, those three had scored 41 goals during wow. the season. That's a big loss, isn't it? it like is. saying, I know there's depth at Man United, but that's still a huge, huge deal. Exactly. So Ferguson um, 
had to turn somewhere within his vast array of uh, players uh, to cover those missing. And we saw probably the first, although they played a little bit of the season, the first kind of media representation of the class of 92. Ah, oh, great. Interesting. Um, so uh, Nicky Butt played, Skulls came on and made an impact, Giggs uh, came on and made an impact. Lee Sharp, who's not technically class of 92, no, was a, a starring role. Yeah. So this whole young Man United thing came to the forefront in this kind of spectacle, the Wembley spectacle of the FA Cup final. But first of all, there were a couple of famous moments in United's Cup run which were, are worth noting. So it's interesting. This FA Cup run gave us a, a few bits that have become folklore sure. over the years. Uh, in the third round, as we mentioned, against Sheffield United, Cantona, who was still playing before uh, the Palace game. So this was literally, I think, the week before the Palace right, game okay. kick. Uh, Cantona scored, you must remember this, a sublime chip. Chip. From outside the box. Against Sunderland? Sheffield United. Sheffield United, sorry. And then the iconic celebration of just turning around. No, t- yeah, turning around, chest yeah. out. Just like, what do you think I was going to do? Yeah, it just- is ridiculous. Because he's, from memory, he's running towards goal at a decent pace. And then yeah. he just pretty much stops and does that shit. It's unbelievable it vision. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just insane goal. Yeah. Uh, but the the I think the celebration... Coming from someone who was at school at the time, yeah, sure. That celebration literally was everywhere. I can the imagine, following yeah. day, just everyone was doing it. It yeah. was just and our tiny little fourteen-year-old chest sticking out, <laughs> pigeon chest. That's everywhere. it, exactly. Yeah. So that was in the third round, and then uh, another one that uh, has become uh, got mentioned recently is that they did punditry together. Roy Keane was sent off in the semi-final against Palace after stamping on who? Palace, not not righty. No, you won't necessarily. It was a bit of a guest punditry. Go on. Gareth Southgate. Did he really? I yeah. had no. I didn't yeah. know that. Didn't know that. So all. yeah, it's a bit infamous. So Keane and Southgate came face to face on uh, ITV coverage for something, yeah. and uh, yeah, so Keane. It's a nasty bit of Roy Keane shock. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Also, so. Southgate's the nicest man in the world. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, and it's like Southgate is. You know, he's an aggressive player, but he was just on the floor, hadn't made the challenge, and Keane just didn't like the fact he was there. Brilliant. So he just studs him in the chest. Uh, so he was sent off in the semi. Amazingly, his suspension was over in time for the final. Which I find a bit weird. Yeah, like, I don't understand how that works. Yeah, so he missed a couple of games where United already won the league, yeah, so it didn't sure. matter, but got to play in the final. Either way. So those are there. So um, United was still arguably the best team in the country, despite the fact they'd lost the league, and the bookies naturally had them as heavy favourites for the final. Everton, meanwhile, had had an incredibly difficult 12 months. So they had escaped uh, a relegation dogfight. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I didn't so, realise Everton had been that bad. Not, not trying yeah, to be... Well, uh, the last two corrupted. years they've been terrible. So right. 94 is, is, as an Everton fan, is a legendary escape where they were 2-0 down against Wimbledon uh, and had to win to right. stay up. Uh, and they won 3-2. Uh, incredible game. Yeah, uh, sure. I remember being at Western Football Club, actually, <laughs> watching Western our local team and basically being they had a whiteboard where the scores got written no up way. as they came That's through great. on the radio That's so really old good. school and like just there's a few Everton fans and we were just over watching the whiteboard and listening to the radio rather than watching Western play yeah. uh, and that came through so that was at the end of the, the 94 season and then um, the 95 season Everton made their worst ever start to a league campaign uh, under Mike Walker um, so he was actually Ian Walker. Do you remember Ian Walker, yeah, yeah. the goalkeeper's yeah. his dad? Right, okay. So he was manager of uh, Everton for a, an ill-fated period of time. Um, so they took eight points from a possible 42 oh my God. after 14 games. Uh, and Mike Walker obviously was uh, fired in November. Joe Royal stepped in uh, to take over with the side stranded at the bottom of the Premier League. Now, Everton, despite the fact they've been in relegation dogfights, they're largely known for staying yeah, exactly. in the top Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's their thing. It is. Um, so this was like 
emergency situation. Yeah, sure. So Joe Royal came in. Uh, he'd been manager of Oldham. I think we talked about Oldham a that's little right. bit. That's right. They've had they, a, a bit of success. That's right. They've done well, spe- specifically in cups yeah. um, under Joe Royal. And so he came in and took over uh, at Everton. And in his first game, you love, you'll love this, mate, he guided the club to a Merseyside derby victory, a 2-0 win at Goodison Park, which... Everton were bottom of the league. Yeah, sure. So that was a great start. If you want to ingratiate yourself with the Everton faithful as well, what better way of doing it? Exactly, yeah, exactly. So in the league, they battled. They did survive. They'd survived the week before by beating Ipswich uh, and stayed up. So that was good. So they kind of came into the final a little bit pressureless. Yeah, sure. Because it's like, well, the league free was... free hit. Yeah, the league was the main thing. The cup was a bit of a, like, didn't... You know, Joe Rory even said in interviews, like, it didn't really matter to us until the semi-final. They, they just didn't have an eye on it at yeah, all. Sure. Everything was about the cup. Uh, in the cup, interestingly, they were like a, a different team. They had conceded only one goal in the entire run. That that is, it's yeah, just so weird, isn't it? Like that a team that's struggling to stay up. Um, that, and that um, goal, and this is great 90s um, football trivia, that goal was a Jurgen Klinsmann penalty. Is that right? Yeah, in the semi-final. Uh, which Everton won 4-1 against Tottenham at Ellen Road. That's impressive, um, isn't it? Graham Stewart, who was uh, kind of the strike partner with Paul Rideout, two names you probably haven't heard of before, but they were the strike partner partnership for Everton. Graham Stewart said that the 4-1 win was the, the finest moment of his professional career. Wow, interesting. Uh, just the best he'd yeah. ever played in a team. Uh, in fairness, I remember watching that game. Everton were unbelievable. It was like, what is just happening? Night and day. Yeah. yeah. Tottenham weren't mugs at that point. No, exactly. I mean, they, were, they were Tottenham, but they weren't mugs. Hey, they were a cup team, mate. They were a cup team. <laughs> um, so in the semi-finals, when we had this brilliant Daniel Amakachi moment, yeah. which, yes, we're here to do the final countdown, but we've got to talk about this, especially because of what happened. So um, Daniel Amakachi was on the subs bench. He had starred for uh, Nigeria in the World Cup in USA and... Everton did that thing that everybody does where someone plays well for a game at the World Cup and they spend millions on it. Hey, mate, I remember it well as a Liverpool fan when we signed El Hadji Juf, the Senegalese <laughs> exactly, Messi. Yeah, exactly, and, uh, yeah. yeah Senegalese Messi. <laughs> um, so Paul Rydout had been a doubt for the semi-final with a knee ligament injury and he appeared to have suffered a recurrence midway through the second half um, after receiving treatment from the Everton physio. Now, Joe Royal has talked about this, the fact that he had a very clear signal situation with the... Um, uh, the Everton physio. Yeah. So it's very simple. Thumbs up, he's fine. Give him time is a hand up as in wait, mm-hmm. just like an Alan Shearer celebration, just yeah. wait. And then a throat cut is he's got to come off. That's the signal. Makes sense. Right? I understand that. So Daniel Amakachi is standing next to Joe Royal saying, you know, am I going on, boss? And the signal comes, wait. All right? And so Joe Royal turns to Daniel Amakachi and nods. <laughs> As if to say, right, you've, you've had, seen yeah, the signal. We've got the signal. Yeah, have you understood it? Dale Abacachi's like, got it. He goes off, gets changed, amazing, <laughs> and just goes up to the fourth official. Is like, I'm coming on. <laughs> fourth official sorts it out for him. <laughs> all the while, Joe Royal's like looking at the other end of the pitch, being like, Is right out all right? I have no idea. So right out just is like, oh, I'm coming off. Am I? Joe Royal's like, what is going on? And he said it just got confused. Where Joe Royal thought Rideout had said, I want to come off. Yeah. Right out thought Royal had called, called him off. Yeah. And all the time, Amakachi's like, I'm just going on. Game on. Yeah. So he goes on. I tell you what, somebody like Jimmy Bullard, who never actually got a cap <laughs> for England, but had been on the suspension, he could have learned something from that. Do exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Amazingly, if you remember the game, Amakachi went on to score two goals in yeah. Everton's 4 1 win. 
Um, the second of them, an absolutely brilliant team goal. Literally the best team goal I've ever seen Everton <laughs> score in 30-odd years of supporting them. Uh, Everton went to the final. Um, they, got the, uh, they got this kind of reputation of um, being known as the dogs of war. So this isn't made up. Sure. This is, this is what happened. So uh, Royal said, a reporter asked me one day why Vinny Samways wasn't playing in the team, who'd been suspended when Royal uh, arrived. He said, we just won three games in a row with the team. Quite honestly, I saw no reason to change it as we were playing in an aggressive way. Uh, and the media or the report that I was speaking to took that as that's what Evan are about is this kind of like gritty, aggressive, yeah. you know, get, you know, stuck in type mentality and so they called it the dogs of war or well, we called Everton's midfield sure. the dogs of war uh, and the next thing <laughs> Terrell was like the next thing there were dogs of war t-shirts <laughs> scarves all kind of stuff he said they're worth That's a few great. quid now <laughs> so if you can get a dogs of war t-shirt uh, keep your eyes peeled in the charity shops yeah exactly uh, they're worth a, a few bob now as I say Everton came to Wembley with no pressure um, the league had been their priority United however just won the, won the uh, lost the league sorry they had to win this um, Ferguson was, you know, demanding yeah, their success. Uh, and so that sets us up uh, for the match. Well, football ingenious, nothing less. We're watching a, a, an alien play this game of ours, the likes of which we've never seen before. So the match itself, unfortunately, is not a great game. As you probably would have guessed, a dogs of war team of yeah. Everton against, you know, uh, an understrength United or at least an inexperienced United. Um, so Everton just looked to knock them around as much as they could and knock the playmakers that they had, um, Lee Sharp, Nicky Buck, Kanchowskis, to knock them off their game a little bit. But Kanchowskis wouldn't have been there. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so Lee, I mentioned Lee Sharp because he was the, he took Matt Jackson, the right back, to school in in the first half. I think because so much was around Sharpie, you yeah. forget he was, like, for a brief time, he was a brilliant player. Yeah. He just didn't have his peak prolonged. Well, he was the breakthrough player, and I think a lot of people have said Lee Sharp was the player, the young player that came through United before Ferguson worked out how to manage young players. Because mm. um, there's a lot made of Lee Sharp and yeah. his lifestyle and stuff like that and how he got distracted. And didn't he end up at Bradford or something like that? He yeah. Went, he, he, he moved on well. in the end. And he was very good for United, but in a way he came he came a bit two, three years early. And uh, people have talked, I think he's talked about how much his career would have changed if he'd come along yeah, with yeah. the class of 92 rather than the you know the couple of years before. Um, so, but anyway, in this game, he was particularly dominant uh, and and United were all over Everton really in terms of possession. Everton not really trying to, you know, keep the ball. That's, yeah, you sure. Know, they were just literally... their game plan. No, totally. They were just trying to ruffle United and trying to get under their skin a little bit. Um, so there was a key moment that happened after 20 minutes um, that led to the goal. Steve Bruce, who was the captain uh, of uh, United in the kind of post-Bobby uh, Brian Robson um, days, captain fantastic really for for United. For he was a, remarkable. Yeah. Uh, amazing that he never played for England. Um, we've it, talked about a that tra- before. Yeah, it's yeah. an absolute travesty. Um, so he was there. Uh, after 20 minutes, he pulled his hamstring um, or at least pinged yeah, his hamstring. Sure. So he was like, you know, I don't know what to do. It's cup final. And, you know, I'm the captain. We're already missing, you know, a few um, significant senior players. So he made the decision to stay on uh, to try and run it off a little bit. Wasn't sure he'd actually pulled it. Thought mm-hmm. maybe I can just stretch it out and go. That decision proved costly 
for the entire game, as it were. Um, so what happened just literally straight after that is Anders Limpar. Yeah, Anders Limpar? Uh, right midfielder. For yeah, he used to play for Arsenal, went to Everton, uh, and he was the creative juice of, sure. uh, of a of very, of yeah, of a very uncreative team. Yeah. Um, so he went through, uh, uh, knocking the ball up the field to Matt Jackson, made a great overlap, very Gary, Gary Neville-esque. Um, he, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> he played the ball in, and a shout from Graham Stewart made ride out dummy the ball. Uh, Stuart hits it first time should have scored yeah you know didn't score but should have scored about 12 yards out hits it first time off the crossbar bounces down comes out uh, to ride out he rises highest Mm -hmm. because Steve Bruce Ah, is very clearly struggling yeah Bruce backs off ride out heads it and then again Bruce can't reach the ball because he can't jump high Mm. enough so two instances where Steve Bruce's decision to stay on gave ride out a bit of a free pass yeah uh, so first of all, to kind of like measure up unopposed the header, mm-hmm. which you think Bruce would have clattered him yeah, sure. normally. And then Bruce, who's backed off to the line thinking I'm better here, right out's header, unfortunately went right in the top corner. Um, Schmeichel goes mad at Bruce straight after. Uh, really interesting, actually. So kind of like, what are you playing at? You shouldn't be on the pitch, blah, 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 blah. Um, replays clearly showing the central defender occupying firstly a poor position, then unable to stop the header. So the teammates around then had known something was up with Bruce. It wasn't like he'd kept it entirely to himself. Do, did Ferguson have any inkling? Do I think? don't know. It's not clear. Certainly yeah. it's clear from the highlights that Bruce was injured and mm. the players knew about it because right. players were around him in terms of how bad it was. Sure. Obviously Schmeichel then had concluded it was bad and you've made a bad decision yeah. there because we've let, we've let in a goal. And the difficulty with Everton is once Everton are in front, Mm. they tended to be the kind of team that was Two like... banks of four. Yeah, we're just going to absolutely clatter everything, you know, to try and you know, stay in front and, you know, jumping ahead. That's ultimately what they did, really. I mean, United, it was a barrage in the in the second half, which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how they set themselves up, get in front and try and defend the lead. And I guess the cup run gives you that confidence where even if in the league you haven't been great, cup run, like, o- the only goal you've conceded is a penalty. So nothing from open play yeah. in every round of the cup. Yeah. Like, I guess psychologically, even though you're the underdogs, it kind of gives you that yeah. kind of uh, belief. I guess. Yeah, and Paul, can... Paul Ryder said about that, like he said that because the pressure was off Everton, they didn't feel like, oh crap, we're facing United here, and United weren't what they were eventually. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it wasn't that free flowing Fergie. Well, it'd only been the last two or three seasons really that they had looked like that they had been great before yeah. that. Like, yeah, yeah, it still is very early. In day. terms of that dominant counter-attacking fast play that wasn't there yet that yeah. wasn't united yet um that was to come when you know uh gigs and skulls and you know that kind of era came in um beckham as well but that wasn't it's it's easy to think that was what united were like then but they weren't really no. um so anyway so inevitably in the second half bruce was taken off um and actually the substitute it played into united's hands a little bit gigs came on Oh, interesting. And it almost introduced what I was just talking about in terms of the pace. So we had Lee Sharp and Giggs on the pitch, um, which kind of changed the way that uh, United approached it. And basically after that, there was one player for Everton that won them the cup final. Oh, this is a good setup. This is a very good setup. Neville Southall. Oh, Nev. Big Nev. Big Nev. And probably his last stand. It's amazing he's still going, oh, really. Mate, yeah, I mean, you see him on that day and he's like, he's a great goalkeeper, yeah. but... He's a porky boy. So I think that's the picture. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast that, you know, at one time he was genuinely considered one of the top three keepers yeah. in the world. Yeah. But my 
my memory and image of Neville Southall is probably from this era where you're yeah. like, how are you a top level goalkeeper? Yeah, and I think there was an, ev- an element where I think people had begun to question that. Like, you know, he'd been around for a long time yeah. with Everton and he was still, you know, number one choice in, in the 95 season. And I think at times he looked a bit laboured, a little bit overweight. But in this cup final, he turned back the years. He really did, especially in the second half. Yeah, so when Giggs came on, immediately there was a chance. Uh, Giggs creating a chance just a minute after his introduction, which Scythel saved going down to his left. Uh, a few minutes later, 68th minute, Giggs created another chance for uh, Ferguson's love child, Brian McClare. <laughs> uh, although the effort looped onto Southwell's crossbar and Banks backed, event- eventually cleared away, very kind of like scrambly. But there was an, kind of a feeling like they're going to score here. Mm. Uh, and it just seemed a bit inevitable. But somehow Everton's defence, the dog of war mentality and Neville... Southall, not Gary, um, <laughs> kept Everton in it. Um, United's most clear-cut chance, which might be the one that you've seen replayed over the years, come after 76 minutes, um, when Skulls forced an unbelievable double save from Southall from really close range. Um, how they don't score, I don't know. So he saves it once, gets back up, saves it again. And it's like, how is this not yeah. going in? It was like, as an Everton fan, it was like, I can't believe we're still in front. It those, was those moments are what makes it worthwhile, though. You look Absolutely, back at those yeah. moments. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, Skulls had come on by that point. So another kind of class in 92, kind of, he'd only played, I think, 10 to 15 times that season. Yeah, because Giggs, he was the, like... Breakthrough, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, after Sharp. Yeah, That's you're right, right yeah. yeah. So Giggs and Sharp came first. Um, I remember it by the kits. Remember uh, the United yeah. kit with the drawstring at the, yeah, the yeah. neck? Yeah, so Giggs wore that shirt, whereas the others didn't really... No. You don't really remember that image Um, I was around a United fan who had a lot of posters at the time Um, so that's how I kind of uh, remember that Um, so the goalkeeper uh, Neville Southall again was um, like called into action 82nd minute 84th minute made saves um, from a Pallister header um, from a a good a gigs cross come shot Um, just displaying agility yeah just like what is going on with this guy it was like a man possessed I bet there's a great supercut on YouTube or something of all of uh, Neville's saves yeah yeah yeah, absolutely Uh, inevitably in the dying minutes Peter Schmeichel joined the attack Ah, oh, there we go. That's a sight from the 90s. That's it, yeah. If you can sum up the 90s in one picture, it's probably Schmeichel going up for a corner. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but all of it was to be in vain. Whatever United threw at them, either Southall or they found a way to get through and Everton held on to a famous victory. And as you said earlier, the, the last um, piece of silverware that Everton have won in many years now. Uh, and in a way, in, a, in the middle of an era where they weren't strong. Yeah, well, we spoke about Pre- again, previous podcasts of, you know, when they came up against Liverpool and had other finals where they had a right to kind of um, have won more than they did. Yeah. Like, they, they were a team to be yeah. feared back then and they well, still hadn't managed it. Well, it's interesting. I read an um, Everton fanzine um, uh, kind of reflection on this final and a lot of Everton fans uh, saw this cup final as their just deserves for just desserts Des- just desserts just desserts sorry just desserts for Heisel ah uh, yeah uh, and we've talked about of that course, before yeah. where Everton were the top team in the country and they were denied their chance at European yeah. glory and um, it, they got into Europe through this but ultimately didn't have the team to sustain yeah. any kind of run or anything like that but this day Everton fans were like we deserved that yeah that were like we had that coming sense of justice yeah in a sense that they should have won more than they did at yeah. the time um, in the 80s where the European um, ban meant that, you know, a very good Everton team, Gary Lineker, you know, uh, Kevin Ratcliffe, Kevin Sheedy, all those players couldn't 
you know do it on the world stage yeah exactly yeah um so there was that so everton hold on dave watson the long-serving everton captain lifted the trophy in front of uh like almost unbelieving uh evertonians yeah i can imagine just couldn't believe that they were there for the day out yeah, just couldn't believe they'd won. You know, they stayed up a week before and now suddenly they're celebrating an FA Cup win. Um, Scythel, the ever non-conformist, uh, got straight in his car and drove home uh, after the final. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Of course you would. Declined to take part in the typical post-match celebrations. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, no, uh, it's yeah. weird. It's like, I've done my job. I'm I'm going sure, home. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, sure he's got a reason. So anyway, there's a, a few funny stories from the celebrations. Uh, I think sometimes when a team win and they don't expect to win, the celebration stories just seem to get a little bit better. Yeah. So Graham Stewart um, talked about the party at the Lancaster Hotel that night before they travelled home. He said it was an you know, amazing atmosphere. Uh, all the families were invited to come along and they just had a great time. He said, I distinctly remember my two younger sisters were, mi- were with me. I'll never forget there was a bit of a kerfuffle in the corner of the hotel and everybody surrounded this table to the sight of Duncan Ferguson in his kilt, <laughs> lifting it up, <laughs> lifting it up to the tune of Glory, Glory, Man United. <laughs> That is incredible. That's so good. I would expect nothing less from yeah. the dunk. Ghost uh, said, I was searching for my two sisters, and where did I find them? Right at the front of the queue in front of Duncan Ferguson. They were quickly marched back to my table. Incredible. <laughs> good old big dunk. Uh, he was an absolute nutter. But um, He came on as a sub in the final, actually, but he was uh, coming back from injury, so largely non-headline. Yeah. But he was a brilliant character yeah. uh, forever. And in a way... Not so much the dog of war, but certainly the aggression-filled Everton era. I mean, he was a nut job. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to get done for libel on this podcast, so there's obviously a lot of stuff about uh, him defending his house as well <laughs> and uh, yeah, taking his dogs to walks yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, he, he comes across as not just one of those football hard men, but an actual hard yeah, man. Yeah. Like, you genuinely don't want to. There's that brilliant um, clip, isn't there, of Jimmy Bullard trying to make That's Ferguson right. laugh, yeah. and he just like, this guy's crazy. I can't get through to him at all. He just yeah. like just stares him down. It's so funny. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Duncan Ferguson. But anyway, so uh, Everton travelled back the following day. Uh, and again, Graham Stewart says he remembers the surreal um, visual of walking into the service station and somewhere on the M6 to see the Burger King staff parading the FA Cup around their restaurant. No way. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> he said they'd taken the cuff in, they just handed it around to That's the staff. That's amazing. Just ridiculous. Um, uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, it's Christmas time, so around the dinner table, people will be sharing different stories, and there's somebody who's like, I was working in a Burger King in 1995, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I got to hold the FA Cup. That's right, yeah, absolutely. Just went to work that day, didn't anticipate anything like that, but there it was. Well, you have just witnessed... 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. So there we go. That is the 95. Just a couple of... Um uh, bits of info to kind of finish. It was Everton's first major trophy since they won the league championship eight years earlier. Uh, and as we said, the most recent major trophy to date. In contrast, Man United were left without a major trophy for the first time since the 89 season. Uh, and they were denied the opportunity to become the first club to win the FA Cup nine times. Huh. Uh, but obviously didn't take them long to get there, yeah, uh, which sure. we'll get to that. In the immediate aftermath of the Everton defeat, uh, Mark Hughes, Paul Lintz and Andre Kanchelskis were all sold. 
uh, as Fergie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is kind of the passing the, of the baton. The cull, as yeah. it were, as it became known. Very famous uh, little period of in English football where Ferguson took the unbelievable step to get rid of three, you know, Hughes not so much, but certainly Ince and Ch- Kanchelskis so at the top of their game. Yeah. To sell those players and and back the class of ninety two, uh, the transfer sent shockwaves through English football in that kind of summer period. Confused players, uh, uh, even led to protests by a small uh, pack, uh, pocket of overzealous fans. <laughs> Uh, who were calling for Fergie to oh, be removed. Alex Ferguson, always one step ahead of the rest, knew the so-called class of 92 were ready to come of age and take the club to the next level. A master plan that culminated in the 1999 treble and far beyond that. So, yeah, that was the 95 FA Cup final beginning that period of time. Incredible stuff. So, uh, join us next week as we will be moving on to the 96 final between Liverpool and Man United, the green and white of Liverpool. Liverpool.